Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Kill here. Welcome back to another episode of the Trading Coach Podcast. Thank you as always for joining me. I appreciate the support you guys have given me over the years. Um, still seems kind of strange saying over the years, but since the beginning, since this podcast kicked off over 400 episodes ago, we've been consistently ranked as one of the top trading and forex, and even sneaking up there and in investing as well re- uh, related podcasts out there, which is which is pretty cool. Um, today, I want to share a few. Um, Really a, a cool discussion that was uh, prompted by one of my really good buddies in the industry, uh, Michael Lamott. Uh, you can follow him. Uh, you can go to www.marawealth, I believe it is, .com if you want to check his stuff out. You can also find him at Michael G. Lamott on, um, on social media. I'll, I'll put the kind of the, his handle and whatnot in the show notes below. But he is a, a good friend of mine. Um, he shares a lot of quality content on trading. Um, his story is, is, is very similar to mine, if not a, probably a little worse, I would actually say. He struggled for about 10 years before uh, finally making it. My struggle wasn't that long, um, but he's uh, another one of those guys who learned the hard way. So he wasn't kind of you know born into you know the financial industry or something like that. He, he took his bumps and bruises and uh, the benefit of that in hindsight, obviously, when you're going through it, it's pretty frustrating. But in hindsight, you learn a lot about what not to do. And the other day I shared a post of his and it was basically 10 things that top traders do. Um, now, of course, there's more than 10 things, but when you're doing stuff, you know, you don't want to have a some, uh, something that says 25 things, it, you know, loses people attention. Um, and I want to kind of discuss it because this was a, a very popular post. Not only was there a lot of feedback um, with things that uh, people thought they should add, I, I kind of asked the question on social media, what else would you add or what would you take away? Um, but there was some pretty good back and forth about um, really some things that they thought should be on there, some things that they thought shouldn't be on there. And uh, instead of just, uh, I have addressed everyone uh, personally, but I thought it would be a cool conversation for this group, this tribe to hear as well. So we'll start with number one, and I don't think these are in any particular order, um, but he says, top traders think for themselves. And my interpretation of this is that you don't follow others' ideas, right? That was one of the, many of you guys have heard my war stories about following other ideas, but um, 
one of the biggest mistakes that many traders make is that they try to be idea followers. They, they, they surf social media or surf trading forums or, you know, even CNBC, Bloomberg, financial sites and, and, and financial networks looking for ideas. And they try to copycat. They try to follow ideas, really having no idea why the, the person who shared it is sharing that idea, how they're actually involving themselves in the idea, if they're involving themselves in the idea. And before you know it, they end up in a trade that the person that originally uh, shared it is not even in. That happens to me a lot, right? You guys know I do a weekly forecast video on YouTube where I take you guys through some of the best trading opportunities that are on my radar. Many of those trading opportunities don't actually become trades. Yes, um, I have an idea. Yes, I have a prediction. But the market doesn't actually give me what I need to enter the trade. And, you know, every once in a while I get a message. Hey, Keel, that euro dollar trade blew up in our faces, didn't it? And I'm like, no, uh, never gave me an entry reason. Um, and then that trader feels kind of salty because, you know, they were involved. They have no idea where they were involved. They have no idea where to put stop losses. And now they're just in all types of trouble. Um, so top traders think for themselves, right? We have our own plan. We have our own idea. We have our own rules-based strategy. Mike Bellafiore would say we have our own playbook. We are concerned with what we are doing. We are not concerned with what others are doing. And we're trying our best to stick to our guidelines, stick to our plans, and take the trades and, 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 and uh, whatnot that we're supposed to take. So that's number one. I certainly agree with that one. Number two is going to be top traders don't care when others disagree. This is a hard one. And I, and I guess this is why you classify it under top traders, right? Um, very early on in my career, I used to get into a lot of arguments on, on social media if someone disagreed with my idea. Actually, very earlier on in my career when I had zero confidence, I would actually um, get demoralized, right? I remember one of the a story I often share is that I used to be a part of this trading forum uh, and, and I used to just sit back and, and, and watch people type in stuff and, and share ideas. And it was cool because I, I saw these people as top traders because they had a lot of stars or thumbs up on the trading forum. So I just assumed they were great. And I always sat in the background and, and it took me a while to have confidence to finally share an idea. And one day I did have the confidence. I stepped up, I shared an idea, I believe it was on the Euro dollar. And you know, I'm nervous. I'm typing it in. I, you know, you know, the internet is right. People judge you. And I finally I'm like, oh, I hope, hope people like it. I hope I get whatever likes right away. And, and one of the first responses was um, for one of the people that I thought was a top trader on the forum, basically disagreeing with my idea. And, you know, that led to me not taking the trade um, because, again, it was this top trader or assumed top trader. And, well, if he didn't agree with me, then I had to be wrong because I'm just this noob. Um, and I never took the trade and the trade ended up being a good trade that would have won money. And I just felt demoralized. And back then it was all about the money. Obviously it's like, oh man, I wish I would have made that money. In hindsight, you look at it and it was more of a confidence thing. It was it was being staying confident and being confident in my idea. Um, as I evolved as a trader and, and actually became good, um, I would then get upset when people disagreed with my idea of trading. I, I was very stubborn in how I traded and I believe that Others had to trade the same way as me or had to have the same interpretation as I did on the markets. And if I would share an idea and someone would be like, oh, no, you can't be doing that. We'd, we'd have an argument. Right. I, you know, I, I'd make my point And you guys know when I'm argue when I'm arguing and when I feel as if I'm equipped with the facts, I'm not going to back down. And it took me a while to kind of break that cycle and really accept that 
there are many ways to trade. There are many different techniques, styles, philosophies on the market. And you're only wrong, right? Going back to number one, you're only wrong if you're not thinking for yourself. You're, you're, you're only wrong if you're deviating from your plan. And we fast forward to where I'm at now, and I've been this way for a while, is I can care less about how anyone trades, right? I can care less if you agree with my idea. I can care less if you don't agree with my idea. A lot of people will give me, you know, outside the platform, just random charts. Hey, what do you think about this? And my response is, well, does it meet your rules? Well, if it meets your rules, then I think it's good. We think it's going to go up or down based on this analysis. I don't know, man. Like, what does your rule say? Right? I just, I don't care whether you agree or disagree with my idea because my ideas are based in my rules-based trading strategy. It's something that is testable, verifiable, and repeatable. It's something that I took years to put together, years to master. It has a positive expectancy, which basically means it is a profitable way of trading. Therefore, the only goal of mine is to consistently trade my plan. So as long as I do that, I'm happy. And that should be the goal of yours as well, right? It shouldn't be to worry about what others are doing. It should be to trade your plan. Now, if you're reaching out just to get, if you're a newer trader reaching out to get ideas, hey, why are you thinking short? Why, you know, I was thinking long. Is there any reason I shouldn't be thinking long? Those are good, right? So I don't, I don't want people being afraid to reach out. Um, but understand you got to do it the right way. And it's okay if someone disagrees with you, it doesn't necessarily mean you're wrong. So that's number two. Number three, top traders can trade safely through chaos. Man, if this isn't the perfect timing for this. I was just having a discussion the other day with a, a trader who, uh, who DM'd me on Instagram. He's been trading for eight years and he's like, man, Akil, this chop has been killing me. For you guys that are new, chop is kind of like when the markets go back and forth and they, they give you a signal, then they immediately invalidate the signal and then they go back and invalidate that invalidated signal and give you the initial signal and it seems like you're always behind, right? If any of you guys have tried to, um, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe trade a news event and it seems like you're always late. As soon as you buy, the market goes south and then as soon as you sell, the market goes north. That's what kind of the chop is. And he said, hey, technicals are just not working right now. And, and this is a difficult time for technical analysis to give you guys some, um, I guess, some reference on, on when I'm recording this. This is early October 2020. So just by hearing 2020, you already know what it is. It's, it's interesting for you guys that are going to be listening to this well in the future. So I'm talking 2030, 2050. You're probably going to look back at 2020, right? 2020 perspective um, as being one of the most probably devastating years, not necessarily in the markets, but in, in the world. It's just been a bad one. It started with the Kobe death and then it just went downhill from there. Um, but we're currently trading at a time with a massive amount of chaos, right? Oh, hold on. My youngest one just broke daddy. in. Hey, buddy. I'm recording a podcast right now. Hey, daddy. Hey, buddy. Hey, daddy. Hi. I'm going to have to kick you out, okay? Okay? Okay. All right. Here we go. I'm going to kick you out. You want to say hi to everyone before I, before you leave? Say hi. Hi. They, they got to say it louder. They can't see you. They can hear you. Just say hi. Hi. All right. Now we'll get you out of here. All right, guys. Sorry about that. That's one of the things of uh, working from home. It's a little bit annoying from time to time, but it's also very cute. And, and like most two-year-olds, the, the cuteness often makes up for the annoyance. Um, but it's an interesting time. It's, it's, it's 2020. There, there's lots of chaos, like what you just heard with my son breaking in. Um, but it's the second, the second wave of COVID is starting to hit uh, many places, especially over in, in, in Europe. 
Um, we've got Brexit negotiations that are still going on, which have you know, been going on for a long, 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 long time, which is rocking the market. We've got um, a lot of countries and economies discussing uh, negative interest rates. We've got presidential elections going on. We've got it's it's a lot of stuff at, at once. And, and the last month or so has been very difficult. And what's important is to understand that there's there, there's going to be difficult situations. There's going to be difficult times in your trading. And when that happens, the difference between top traders and struggling traders or maybe traders that are kind of stuck in the, the Mark Douglas boomer buster category is that you know, those traders that are stuck, they try to force the issue where it's like the markets are bad, but I got to make it work. And they start forcing trades or maybe they even get scared out of trades. They start making the psychological mistakes that often kind of bury traders. Top traders, they go into survival mode, right? They, 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 Mike Bellafiore said this best. Um, you should have a, a, a grade A trade. Right. You should have an A plus trade. What is your go to? And, and we want to we want to be safe. We don't want to be as aggressive as maybe we were before. Um, and that goes for entry stops and targets. Right, all three scenarios or all three parts of a trade. And we just want to survive. We, we want to get what we can get out of the market and we want to get out. Um, I naturally have more of a, a counter trend trading style of trading. So that's kind of my philosophy in the first place, right? I'm not looking for big swings and big directional moves. I'm looking to get in, get mine, get out and, and, and survive into the next trade. So, you know, I, don't underestimate the ability of survival, right? It, it's not about making, it's not just about making money. I think uh, making money is probably the easiest part of trading. It, it's not giving it back, which is the hardest part. Number four. Top traders are always learning. And, and you probably heard me, <clears throat> excuse me talk about this in a podcast recently where I said, I've been trading for years, but I still feel like a newbie. Sometimes I still feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. And, and that's good because the markets are always changing and we need to always be learning, right? The, the cool thing about trading is once you become set in your ways, right? Uh, set in your system, I should say, and, and you're kind of running on autopilot in, in that routine, it allows you to start, it allows you to take that extra time to learn about something new. So, you know, for me, I'm always looking to learn about different techniques, whether it's indicators, whether it's, you know, um, different candlestick formations, whether it's trading psychology, whether it's bigger things about, you know, economics and fundamental events, right? We're always learning. We're always trying to progress because we understand that the, the moment we get stagnant, right? is the moment that the market is going to pass us by, right? And I've, I've seen so many traders that they failed to evolve their strategy. They're, they're, they were trading something that worked in 2009 when everything was directional and, and a moving average cross made you millions. And then all of a sudden, when the market goes into the chop, right, when we get more consolidative markets, they're getting beat to death. And because they've never evolved their trading, right, they, they, they kind of just learned one thing. Maybe they never even learned how to trade. They learned just a strategy. Um, they struggle. And, and it's not surprising to see traders have success for years and then give it all back. And it's, it's sad. It's, it's scary. It's, it's one of my biggest fears is that, you know, I've been successfully trading since 2010. Again, probably 2009-ish, but let's call it 2010. Um, and, you know, so I'm 10 years in right now, consistently profitable trader, and I still have the fear that one day I'll just lose it. One day I'll stop being successful. And for me, I'm a full time trader. So if I lose or my skill of trading diminishes and, and I can't use the, the market to make money, what am I going to do? 
And the older I get, the scarier it is because, you know, as I get older, it's harder and harder to get a job or, or start a career at an older age. So that fear, that urgency kind of pushes me on to, to stay hungry um, with learning and practicing my craft and, and always trying to evolve just so I'm prepared for whatever the next step may be. Number five, top traders don't participate in market debate. So this is very similar to number two, where it says uh, they don't care that others disagree. Um, again, it's, it's, a, it's a selfish, stubborn attitude, but like when people are going back and forth about what's happening on the chart, who cares, right? What, what other, another person's opinion never affected my money. So let's, let's put it like that. So um, I, I don't think we need to go too deep into that, that topic, but it's very similar to number two. They don't care when people disagree. They don't care about proving your point. That is ego-based, right? If you have to debate and prove that your system is right, prove that your idea is right, or if someone else was wrong, let them know how wrong they were, um, that is an ego problem. That is that it's, not, it's less about consistently profitable trading, and it's more about you needing to be right. And trust me, uh, egos will destroy your trading account because it becomes more about you than the system, right? Just like in sports, if it's more about you than the team, it, that team is typically going to implode. And you can say the same thing for trading, just instead of the team, it's gonna be your account. So leave your ego at the door. Uh, number six, top traders cut losses quickly. And this is always an interesting one because quickly is a very, uh, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a term I don't, I don't, like, I would rather say they cut losses smartly because when, when we when we think about quickly and the word quick, we think right away. Um, this is also something that can be considered a trading mistake, right? If, if you ever entered a trade and let's say you have a stop loss below structure, but all of a sudden the first candle is this big red engulfing candle and it's only halfway to your stops, but you see that big red forming and you're getting scared and you're like, oh, it's going to lose and you exit immediately. And then you end up coming back four hours later, you see that 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 what you thought was the, the low of that candle was sucked dry and it's just a big wick and the market exploded in the opposite direction. Um, that's a, a cutting, taking your stop loss too early is a common mistake that traders make. So I don't want to say quickly, maybe that's the wrong term there, but I, I get what he means. We, we want to know when we're wrong. We want to know when we're wrong as soon as possible. And we don't want to stay wrong, okay? I, got, I think that's a, probably a saying out there in trading. If not, you can credit me for it, right? Good traders aren't concerned about being wrong. They're concerned about staying wrong. And that means you do your analysis, right? When you do your analysis, you identify the place in the market, right? And, and, and for me, it has to be a technical location. It's not just risk-based, right? There's no point in my opinion saying, I'm just gonna put a stop loss wherever 1% risk is at. Well, that's stupid, right? Identify your stop loss level first, then figure out what 1% risk is to create your position size. But good traders want to identify the point in the market where the market says, dear Akil, you're wrong. Sorry, try again next time. And at that level, give it a little bit of a cushion, uh, at that level is where we wanna put our stop loss because as soon as the market tells us we're wrong, boom, we wanna be out. And if you're more of an active stop loss type of person, it, it could be something um, more active. So instead of a specific level, if you get a specific candlestick formation, right? If you get a, a, a engulfing candle, which a lower, low, lower close, that may tell you to exit, right? It, it's, that's fine as well, as long as it's rules-based and not emotion-based. 
Um, so you want to cut losses quickly in that aspect smartly. You don't want to hold on to losses, right? So you don't want to have the market prove that you're wrong and then you get into the habit of, I'm going to move my stop back. I'm going to move my stop back. I'm going to move my stop back. Because ultimately what's going to happen is you're probably still going to lose that trade. And the difference is you're probably going to lose double or at least more, some multiple more of what you would have originally lost. And not to get too much into a rant, that stems off of the idea that losses are bad. Losses aren't bad, right? Losses are, it's no different than a, 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 a business, a brick and mortar business um, that has a, a, a liability, right? So McDonald's takes into account that there's going to be a certain amount of burgers sent back, right? You know, you're going to give it to a customer, they're not going to like it, or maybe just, it's not warm enough, whatever, they're going to send it back, they got to throw it away, right? That's that's lost income right there. But it's worked in into the business plan. You, you can estimate this is going to happen blank times a day, blank times a month, and it's all worked in. It doesn't really damage your profit that way. What McDonald's doesn't take into account if it's there if there's a fire in the back and you got to shut down the store for four days, right? If there's a, a bad shipment of meat, right? We always get the mad cow disease every once in a while here in the U.S., right? Where uh, what's the what's the Chipotle has to shut down their restaurants, right? Because there's mad cow disease or Ebola, something like that in their food, and now they can't operate, right? Those are things that, although they probably take it into account now, just for examples purposes, those are something that's going to be a, a, a bigger damage. So I guess a better example would have been a self-inflicted type of error. So like someone burns down the kitchen, right? You don't take those into account. Stuff like that can kill your business. Um, the other stuff is normal. I think a good example as well, and maybe it's too soon, but like the, the whole COVID situation where a lot of businesses prepare to take small losses. I don't think any, no one prepares for a, a three month quarantine and not being able to operate business. So that's, you know, a good example. You smartly take losses. Don't let them become bigger because now they start affecting your profits, right? Number seven, their opinion matches price action. Ooh, this is big. This seems very simple, but you know what? It's, it's, it's actually not. It's actually not. I always like to say, the, the, the what is not as important as the where. And when I say the what, um, and, and, and this, will, this, 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 this can differ depending on your, your kind of approach to trading, but when I say the what, I'm thinking like a specific signal or setup like a, a head and shoulders or a, a double top or a triangle a wedge or a flag right that is the what it is a is a, is it a it's a pattern it's a setup it's a signal right it's you know typically you you're when you see a certain setup like that you have a a, a, um, a certain prediction what's more important to me is the where because the where is a very important part of making that prediction. Where price is at or where that setup is occurring makes a big difference of what I think the prediction is. And you'll see many traders where they'll have something, they'll focus on the what and be like, oh, Keel, that's a double top. I got to sell it. And I'll, and I'll ask them a question. I said, well, do you, do you actually think price is going to go lower from this level? Looking on your higher time frame? They're like, well, well no, we're, we're, we're in a, a clear uptrend. The double top doesn't come in any type of structure. So no, I, I don't think price is going to go lower. I'm like, okay, so... Um, why are you considering a short trade? Huh. Never thought about that, right? So everything needs to align, right? You need to actually align your trades with your predictions. We go through a process, IPDE, identify, predict, decide, execute, right? Identify what the market is doing, do analysis, make your prediction first, right? Then you decide how you're going to enter, right? So by the time you get to the point where you can actually trade, and this is going down to your trading time frame, you should be only looking for trading ideas for what's that meet 
the overall prediction of the market, right? So if you're looking at a chart and you don't, and your analysis doesn't actually allow you to think that price is likely to go up, right? Then don't take a trade where in order to profit, price would have to go up. It doesn't make sense. It's like betting on a team that you don't think is going to win. Hey, Akil, do you think Crystal Palace is going to beat Liverpool? Oh, man, maybe Liverpool's a bad example. They got spanked a few weeks ago. Um, <laughs> but Akil, you know, do you, do, you, do you think Crystal Palace is going to beat Liverpool? Uh, probably no. All right, I'm going to put all my money on Crystal Palace to win. What? What? It doesn't make any sense, right? So same thing in trading. Number eight, and this was one for big debate. A lot of people brought up George Soros, right? Trade small. Um, this is going to be, uh, I see this differently. I actually agree with this trade small. Some people don't. This is probably the biggest one from social media that, that, um, traders are, were like, Hey, Akil, I, you know, I, I don't think eight should be in there at all. Um, I actually think it is. And, and I think tr when I think of trade small, I think of control your risk, right? And, and, and it's going to go in a different philosophy. So I think one of the differences between top traders and, and there's a difference between like a superstar trader, right? But one of the differences between top traders and kind of struggling traders is that top traders manage their risk, risk management, which which is, uh, it was brought up that that should be on here. I, I think it should be on here. I interpreted trade small as risk management, but risk management is, is, a, is a, should be a definite on this list. Um, but top traders control their risk. They do not risk a lot. That's one of the, the main reasons that newer traders struggles. But they, they come in, especially in markets like Forex, where it's highly leveraged, and they trade ridiculously big position sizes, then they lose and they blow their account right away. They don't give themselves enough time to struggle uh, to learn and to actually make profit. They don't survive the, the chaos. Um, they get destroyed by it. But I think trading small is important. Risk management should be the most important thing as a trader, right? Number one rule of trading that I was taught is don't go broke. The number one, the number two rule of trading was the same thing. Don't, just in case you forgot, Akil, don't go broke, right? Number one and number two was plastered on my wall. Um, but trade small was big. Now, I think of it as risk management. So even, you know, if you, we, we, you can trade small and still have big positions, right? You can trade small and then and add to your positions and, and, and control your risk on the back end. I still consider that trading small just because I'm looking at it from the perspective of not necessarily focusing on your position size, um, but focusing on the risk that you take and, and, and controlling that risk. And, and there's many different ways to do it. So I agree with that one. Number nine, have confidence. Confidence is key. If you don't have confidence, you will fail. It takes a massive amount of confidence to do many of the things that we talked about earlier. It takes a massive amount of confidence to think for yourselves, to not care when others disagree, to trade safely through chaos, um, to not get in debates, to not cut losses quickly, right? To have confidence in your prediction that you're involving yourself on the right side of the markets, right? Confidence is everything. It's one of the biggest the biggest hurdles in people not executing their plan, right? You know, I have a, a two-step saying, two-step formula to success in trading, right? Consistent analysis plus consistent execution equals consistent results. And it seems pretty easy until you actually do it live. I just spoke to a trader who said the same thing. He's like, man, yeah, I did all this back testing. I did all this stuff and I went to trade live and I was like, oh no, this is a different game. I said, welcome to it. This is why I always say, once you get good at trading, it's probably going to take you another three to six months to kind of get used to the live environment. It's a, it's a different psychological battle when there's real money at stake. So confidence is key. One of the best ways, or I guess, the, in my opinion, the mandatory way, the only way you can build confidence initially until you get enough experience to build it through experience in a market is to backtest. 
right? Backtest, it, it takes you through multiple years. It takes you through the stories. It takes you through the ebbs and flows of your, um, your system or strategy. It just doesn't, you know, I don't, I don't think there's any value in just having a, a result, right? If you tell me that this system is profitable, it doesn't, doesn't really help me at all, right? Because I don't really believe it. If I go through the backtesting process manually and I'm going through years and years and years and I see the hot streaks and I see the bad streaks and at the end of the day, I can kind of look at all the numbers and, and know the story behind them, I have a lot more confidence in what I'm doing. It's still going to take time to get experience in the market. Trust me, trading is not easy. The heart starts pumping and the hands start shaking when it's time to, to execute those trades. Um, uh, but it's a start and, and we all you got to get the ball rolling somehow. Last is never quit. At the top of my trading plan says, I the only reason I believe that people fail is because they give up before they have a chance to succeed. I'm 100% believer in that. Um, don't quit. Keep grinding, right? I told you this is a, a post by my buddy Mike. He struggled for 10 years. 10 years. That's a, that's a lot. I don't know if I can honestly sit here and say that I would, would have still pursued it for 10 years. You know, fortunately, I wasn't in that position, but that's a lot. Um, He's reaping the benefits of it now. The only thing that I can say is, is, is look at the risk and the reward, right? If it takes you 10 years to learn something, but learning it and becoming good at it is going to give you 30 years of success, financial freedom, freedom of time, a skill that you can pass down to your son, your daughter, your family, a chance to influence others and, and, and help build financial education in this world that way. Is it worth it? My answer is yes. My struggle was for about two years. At, at the time, it was the longest two years of my life. Ten years later, I, I can't even remember it. It seems like a blip. It seems like I just started getting good right away because it's so small in comparison now, right? Ten years of consistent profitability, still weird to say. Two years of struggling. It doesn't, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's crazy. And at some point, it's going to be like 50 years to two. So you got to think about it that way. Never quit. If it's, if it's something of value, if it means something to you, do not quit. There is a way to success. You just have to find it. You just have to fight for it. And again, the only reason I believe people fail is because they give up before they have a chance to succeed. So if there's anything you want to add to this list or any, or any comments that you have on anything that I address, feel free to bring it up. You can, you can shoot me messages on, on all of our social media at Akil Stokes RTM. Watch out for the fakes where it's like Akil Stokes instead of an L, it's a one or it's a space mark in between. Essentially, here's the rule of thumb. If I ever reach out to you, it's not me. If I ever ask you for money, it's certainly not me. Um, so be aware of the phonies out there. They are trying to DM people and grab your business. I'm, I don't have a WhatsApp. I don't use any of that other stuff. It's going to be Instagram. It's going to be Facebook. It's going to be Twitter, LinkedIn. Those are going to be the, the four things I use. So hope you guys enjoy. Uh, remember, rate and review this podcast. That's the biggest way you can support what I'm doing here. And I'll see you in the next episode. Mm -hmm.